Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the podcast of our service entitled For the Sacred. My wish is that the food for thought offered nourishes your soul. Dear listener, the Gaius Temple Ministry is sustained by generous donations such as yours, and we need your financial support. If everyone donated just $3 each time they tune in to listen and receive the service, that reciprocity would ensure our continuance. If you feel served by listening and wish to donate to help support our ministry, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you and blessed be. For those of you who were here for the first time, that was the song we used to sing to our youth program when we had it. We used to sing the children out that way. And then when all the kids grew up and we didn't have a youth program anymore, nobody wanted to give up that song. <laughs> so now we just sing it every month and, and we have it for the birthdays for people. Okay, we ready to go? Are we happening? All right, we are happening. So here we are in the eighth moon of this solar year already, having just celebrated Lunasa, which is the first harvest celebration on the pagan wheel of the year. Now we notice the slant of light at twilight, and we understand why he was referred to as Lu of the long arm, because the sun god's light reaches longer across the horizon when he is at this slant. And as always, as we walk the wheel, we keep our awareness on the light and dark, the length of days and the lengths of the nights, and we understand this is necessary as part of the life cycle, and we glean much harvest Uh, much in the harvest of this understanding, that this is part of the life cycle. Now at Imbolc, which is the Sabbath across the wheel from where we are now, we notice that twilight is coming a bit later in the day. And if we pay attention now around Lunasa, we notice that twilight comes a bit earlier. August, like February, is a transition month. In February, we transition from winter to spring, and in August, we transition from summer to winter, from summer to autumn, sorry. (laughs) Just completely threw us out of balance there by forgetting an entire season. My favorite of all, autumn. So we celebrate the harvest of the first grains uh, from the good earth at this Sabbath, the grains that become the flour that is baked into bread, the bread of life. The mysteries that we celebrate at this time are in gratitude for the relationship of the earth and the sun and how those two together create the staff of life. The mother's grain is given and becomes the mother bread of life. And so now Celia is going to sing to us about that. Take it away, Celia. Thank you so much. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here with you all. Thank you so much. This is a co-write between myself and my own mother, Cecilia Farron. Nope, you just muted her. Go to the dots. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you now. Wonderful. So I don't know if you heard me say it's a pleasure to be here, and this is a co-write between myself and my mother, Cecilia Farron. We are one with the spirit. We are one with the land. The bread of life is given that we may understand who we are we are one who we are where's the p 
We are one Where's the pen? We are one with the spirit We are one with the spirit We are one with the land We are one with the land The bread of life is given The bread of life is given That we may understand That we may understand Who we are We are one We are one Who we are Who we are We are one We are one We are one with the spirit Celia, 
Fantastic, as always. I want to acknowledge Celia now because she has to leave right after she sings her next song in the service. So we're just going to give her one more applause right now while she's here to receive it all. Thank you. Thank you, my loves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to share with you uh, something that I found very interesting and ultimately very profound that happened around our Lunasa celebration this year. As usual, we seek ritualists <laughs> for our ce uh, celebrations. And uh, then we have a planning meeting over Zoom. And while we keep to the overall theme of the Sabbath, in this case, the first harvest of Lunasa, um, our planning is creative and it's a collaborative experience. And uh, this year we planned to burn the web that we had woven of organic cotton yarn at our summer solstice celebration, the one in which we had placed all of our prayers for a more loving and a more deeply connected world. Uh, and we would ask the smoke from burning this ritual piece to rise up and out into the ethers, releasing the magic that we had charged it up with at Letha. Now at Lunasa, we often burn some kind of grain, often wheat in a sacred fire, viewing that fire as the oven in which the grain as batter transforms into the bread of life. In the past, we have also created an effigy of the god Lu, made of uh, dried plant matter, usually corn and wheat, and we place him in the fire as a metaphor for the sacrifice that the sun god makes, uh, Lu of the long arm, at this time as his light points toward the waning of the solar year. So this concept of sacrifice mirrors what harvest actually means. It means we're giving death. When the harvest sickle cuts the grain, we see the likeness of the grim reaper, whose presence we know also means death is present. Harvesting brings our awareness up close and personal to this part of the life cycle. In the very simplest of terms, death is necessary for life to continue. Harvest time is when we encounter this mystery and we let it change us. That the sacredness of life comes from the sacredness of death, and thus that sacrifice is sacred. When a sacrifice is made, something must die. And whether that's a sheaf of wheat or a long-held dream of something dear to us, something must die. And when we choose to make a sacrifice, it ought to be for the sacred. If you find that you are sacrificing something in your life and upon deeper contemplation, you realize that it is not for a sacred purpose, make some changes. Don't make that sacrifice for, for anything other than a sacred purpose. Sometimes we do that because we think that we will be perceived as noble, as a martyr. I would toss that right out. If there's something... Uh, that you are sacrificing and it's not for a sacred purpose, make some changes. So back to our Lunasa celebration, fire is the right element to use as a ritual gesture for this because it embodies both the light of the sun and the fuel of transformation. And we will look deeply into this spiritual principle. We find a beautiful mystery when we stand in sacred space and enact this mystery of harvest, of giving death, and we understand it's for the sacred, 
in purpose and service to life. The ritual of Lunasa brings a depth of spiritual awareness and its import is profound. But from the outside, if you don't know what's truly going on, one might come upon this scene in a park somewhere and think it's strange that a group of people are burning something in public and then standing or dancing around it while chanting in an effort to reach an, al an alternative uh, state, an altered state. Hmm, what's going on over there? And so it is for this reason that we have typically had this celebration in a park with less foot traffic and more privacy. So, a few days after I sent out the ritual outline of what we had created to all the ritualists, Sue Ellen, one of them, reached out to me and she expressed that she was feeling very uncomfortable with the fire aspect of this ritual for a couple of reasons. First, although we had checked to make sure that there wasn't a burn ban, and there wasn't, uh, Sue Ellen reminded me that unless you have a permit, it's illegal to make a fire of any kind in a public place, public park. You can use the little charcoal grills for cooking that they have there, if they have them there, but any other fire in any other location is not legal. So right away, I knew that it would be out of integrity to continue as planned, since integrity is one of the core values of Gaia's Temple, and, uh, you know, we couldn't knowingly do something illegal. That would be out of integrity. So we would not be using the hibachi that we were going to bring for this fire. My mind raced to think how we could use the charcoal grills for this purpose maybe, you know. That would be legal. But the idea crashed almost as soon as I had it. And my mood crashed along with it. The other and perhaps more deeply felt reason that Sue Ellen was worried was because of climate change. Something we can no longer deny. She was afraid that a spark would fly up and out somewhere and become dangerous. And in our email exchange, I assured her that I would be bringing a few gallon jugs of water to have on hand just in case. But in truth, even as I was typing those words to her, I knew in my gut that we had to find another ritual gesture. I could feel my own internal resistance at this time, a voice screaming inside me, no, no, no. We need a fire for Lunasa. It's a fire festival. In over 30 years that I have been celebrating this Sabbath, we have always had a fire. We can't not have a fire. Plus, I reasoned, or rather justified to myself, tried to justify to myself, there'll be a time when we really can't have, won't even allow permits to do a fire. So we need to do this now while we still can. I told Sue Ellen I'd get back to her after I, I thought about it even though I knew I didn't have to think about it. But I wanted some time to get right with it. So I did what I like to do when I have something to contemplate. I went to my garden and I sat with my patty pans and my peppers and my purple pansies. And as I did, I felt the full weight of making this necessary change because of this truth. Our world is simply getting too hot to add any fire, both on a practical level and on a psycho-spiritual, communal-spiritual level as well. And then I felt this sort of a sense of desperation, this, you know, get it while you can philosophy, like, whoa, they're not going to even give us permits soon. We got to do this while we can. You know, upon deeper reflection, that's how we got here in the first place, right? Take it while you can with no regard for the consequences. It's a form of colonialism. And now, soon, we will have used it all up. And it felt like such a, a loss. And I had a good cry for the world.
for our world. When my eyes rested on those pansies, two of them were exactly at the same height and they were facing me. And it seemed to be the eyes of the plant Deva herself looking back at me. And at first I felt witnessed and it was soothing. But as we continued to look at one another, I felt, and there is no other word for it, a true communion with that plant. I remembered that we are all in this together. We might not be the same, but in that biggest of pictures, we are all in this together. And in that moment, all extended beyond my fellow humans and my sister and brother animals. It extended into the realm of the most ancient beings on this planet, the plants. And for the first time in all these years, I noticed how similar those two words are, planet and plant. I can't believe I never noticed that, wordy nerd that I am. Where have I been? I felt as if I were having a direct interaction with nature, and I settled into a beautiful place, the kind one arrives at in peace. Now, I can't say that my pain about climate change vanished, but my resistance to letting go of fire as the ritual gesture for Lunasa surely did. I knew I would not be walking my talk if I stuck with the tradition simply because it was one at the expense of the call that we are hearing on planet Earth, from planet Earth, in present time. Why, I could never look at those pansies in the eyes again. Suddenly I realized that we were going to make a very different kind of sacrifice this year. It would require letting go of something held dear, something for the sacred. And Celia's going to sing to us again. I record on top of that and play it back. So everything you're hearing, both these two songs are happening live and in real time. This is called I Will Letting Go. Thank you. 
Yeah, good stuff she's got there. So I believe that our spiritual path must speak to us in this moment in time, in the era in which we live. It has to be current, it has to be relevant now. And we are living now in our era, and that era includes, among many other things, some of which are miraculous and beautiful, climate change. And all the things that climate change brings with it, including our recent pandemic and the vestiges that linger from it in the uh, somewhat of the aftermath. We are no longer at pandemic status, but that doesn't mean it's over. And we certainly are not healed from the experience of that pandemic. So see, this is where we can really put our wisdom to work. Consider ancestral trauma. A generation is scarred by something that occurs during its time. And the wounding that occurs when untreated and unhealed gives rise to continued wounding. Now, in our relatively new Aquarian age, we understand this. We are conscious of this. We know this now. And our impetus then must be to shift the trajectory for the future by healing the wounds at the time of the injury and not let them run amok into the future. In the description of this series of this service, I wrote, when the grains are first harvested in season, we know it's time to take stock. Ensuring an abundant future means examining our present practices. How might these practices become devotional, soulful? What must we do and what must we cease for the sacred? This is the looking at our practices now to ensure a healthy future part. We need to think about these things and decide how we want to be with them, how we want to respond. And hopefully, we want to respond from our deepest spiritual values in honoring the life cycle so that life will continue. So if you would, take a moment now, close your eyes and go within. And in the atmosphere of letting go, take a deep breath. Reestablish your connection to your grounding cord at the beginning of this service. Pull all your energy into your center. And then bring your attention up to your third eye in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, just like your other two. Go ahead and open it up and look out through it into your imagination. And find yourself in a beautiful, natural setting somewhere on a gorgeous day much like this. The temperature is exactly how you like it. And everywhere your eyes fall, they fall on something beautiful. Nature in all of her glory. She is flowering and fruiting. Everything is green and lush and abundant. It fills you with a sense of peace, like all is right with the world. Maybe it's the beauty here. Maybe it's all the presence of the plants around you, but peaceful it is. So take a moment now to focus on this sense of peace 
within you now. Good. Now you can feel this peacefulness filling you and you find yourself longing to preserve this feeling. It feels so good you want it to last. You want to preserve this, feast, this peacefulness and also this natural beauty. If you could, you would stop time right here and now. Now, if you aren't already, think of yourself as an elder considering your legacy. And notice how much you want future generations to experience this peacefulness just as you are now. Now, we all know that if things continue the way they're going, well, it's not going to be peaceful for future generations. Things must change. Ways of living must change. We must give up some of our luxuries and creature comforts in order to preserve a healthy planet for our descendants. So in your reverie out in nature now, look around you and let your eyes rest on one plant in this landscape in particular. Doesn't matter which plant it is. It needn't be pansies like mine was who were looking at me like eyes. Just one plant, a tree, a flower, a fern, a dandelion. Just focus on it and keep taking it in. And as you do, and as you feel the life force of this plant, you become acutely aware that you are actually sharing this planet with the plant. It's no longer just the backdrop of your life. It's something else that exists with you and you share the space. It is its own being like you are. As if it has a heartbeat like yours, senses like yours, even the ability to communicate. And it begins to communicate with you now. It wants to tell you about something that it would like you to give up, a sacrifice you can make for the sacred purpose of life. Something you can give up or cease participating in. Could be a toxic thought or a habit or a practice that does not contribute to sustainability on a healthy planet. So keep yourself open and listen now to the wisdom coming to you from this plant about what you can sacrifice. Good, now just sit with this for one more moment. Think about it, think about what you'll do instead. Think about what you will think instead. In your mind and in your heart, imagine yourself doing without what this plant has asked you to sacrifice and see the changes that it brings not only to your life, but to the world. It doesn't have to be big and grained, but it's one thing. And if all of us do it, it's cumulative and it makes the changes.
thinking about it, imagining it, that's what helps you embrace it. And so now in your heart, go ahead and thank that plant as if your heart had a mouth. Speak from your heart and thank the plant. Offer your gratitude for this exchange, for its wisdom, and for the clarity of the information that you have received. And once you have done that, take another deep breath, a deep cleansing breath, and gently bring yourself back here to the sanctuary. So this is what we do when we don't just hear the call, but we listen to it and we allow it to motivate us into action. It's said that all good magic requires a sacrifice. And I think what is meant by that is that when we engage in magical practices to either cause or align something to change, that's what we're doing. Change is the factor here. We're doing magic because we want to affect some sort of a change. And something must die in order for something new to be born. Something that exists must be sacrificed for something new to come into being. You know, knowing this makes it easier for me to make a sacrifice when it is necessary to do so. I remember that this isn't just poor me having to give something up. This is me giving something up for the greater good, for the sacred. So in the end, we didn't keep the fire in our lunacer ritual. We moved our celebration back to the Good Shepherd Center where it's easier to find a house parking lot, where we do most of our in outdoor uh, celebrations anyway. And we found another beautiful way to enact the mystery at Lunasa. But of course, I can't tell you what it was because, you know, it's a mystery. <laughs> but I do hope that you attend our Sabbath celebrations if you are local and you can. They're always beautiful. Uh, and I always feel so good about what we do in sa the sacred space that we create together. It's so healing to keep those Sabbaths holy together. I do love my devotional practices, you know. So here's a loaded statement. The pandemic changed everything. That's a very big topic with many, many different facets that I'm sure we will be examining for some time to come as we continue moving forward. It changed our way of life. It changed our relationships with each other and with our planet, our magnificent goddess Earth. But the pandemic is over, the pandemic part. And of course, each individual gets to choose how social they will become again. Uh, what I'm noticing, however, is a lethargy, an unwillingness to come together even if we feel safe enough to do it. Now, if you don't feel safe enough to get together with people, do not do that. Everybody gets to choose that. But for those who do feel safe together, but have uh, not done so, it's because we've gotten so used to staying at home, we have become habituated to our isolation. It has engendered a kind of laziness in us, I think. I, I feel it too, right? No one wants to get out of their pajama bottoms when you can sit in front of a screen. We can, and we can just order about anything that we need, right? We can order anything we need, and then we just a truck comes up and delivers it to us when we just did a couple of clicks on a computer screen. It's very seductive to just get further and further away. But I think we need to start coming together in person, people, if we, think it, if we don't think it will compromise our health, and remember what life was like when we were actually connected in the third dimension together. 
The longer we remain disconnected, the easier it is for our empathy for another's plight to wither on the vine, for compassion to evaporate when it is needed most because we're disconnected, so we don't really feel it. The human-to-human -human connection needs to be restored in a loving and a present way. So I encourage all of us who feel safe and healthy enough to meet up, to meet up. You are sorely missed. So now that we have completed the main course of the offering here today, I want to offer a sweet astrological dessert, you might say. I think it points out that valuing our connections with one another is a healing and loving force in the world, that releasing our reluctance to gather in person is an important part of our healing. So there is a beautiful astrological event that is happening today. It actually happened first thing this morning, but we're going to feel it for the rest of the day, probably into a day or two more. And it's called the Venus Kazemi. C-A-Z-I-M-I. -I. So first, the planet Venus was named for Venus, the goddess of love in Rome, also known as Aphrodite in Greece. The domain of the goddess Venus is love, of course, pleasure, desire, and value, right? Because we value what we pleasure and what we desire. That's why we value it, because that's why we desire it, because we find it valuable. When we are experiencing a significant transit of Venus, she's asking us to consider these things in our lives. Who and what do we love? What is pleasurable to us? What do we desire? And perhaps most importantly, what do we value? So a Kazemi, C-A-Z-I-M-I, -I, said that already, is when any planet is within one degree of the sun in its zodiacal transit. It's often called a conjunction when two planets are very close together, only this is a sun, not a planet, so a star and a planet. And uh, it appears in the sky as if the planet and the sun have merged, right? And of course, then we can't see the planet in the sky at that time because uh, we're not, we don't look directly into the sun. But of course, that planet is there. Now, the word Kazemi is Arabic, meaning in the heart of the sun. Isn't that lovely? It's like when a planet moves into the heart of the sun. So my favorite astrologer, Chani Nicholas, tells us that the sun's rays burn through any sediment, obscuring, obscuring our connection to the planet of pleasure, leaving behind distilled messages of intimacy and our inner and outer beauty. And I must say, we do look especially beautiful today. Chani tells us, and I quote, Venus Cassimis can happen two ways. During Venus's retrograde, when the planet is between Earth and the Sun, which is what's going on now, or when it's on the other side of the Sun and we can't see it. So one way or another, we cannot see this planet. And uh, that's what's happening today. So uh, Venus's retrograde period this year started on July 22nd, and it's going to continue through September 3rd. And the planet's proximity to the sun means that it temporarily disappears from the sky. The ancients mythologized this vanishing act as an underworld journey. Venus's underworld descent corresponds to our own journeys to retrieve essential facet of our intimate or creative nature. I always think of retrogrades as like the planet going back to get something, you know? Oh, I forgot my keys. It comes back to, to get something. In this instance, it gets um, an essential facet 
of our intimate or creative nature. So this period forces us to review our intimacy patterns, our relationships with desire, and our sense of inner and outer beauty. Now, trudging through some of these lessons can be tough, certainly, and our natural vibrancy might dim a little during this 40 days of uh, Venus's retrograde, but then enter the Kazemi. The Kazemi on August 13th, today, highlights the halfway point of this subterranean quest, which makes its message all the more potent. Flashes of epiphany, sudden ahas, illuminate what we've been reclaiming in relation to love and intimacy and beauty and pleasure. So remember, the cosmos doesn't only speak in one medium. Stay alert about this around this date for synchronicities, insightful dreams, sudden knowings, and powerful messages delivered by others. Although this underground mission will continue until Venus stations direct on September 3rd, you can continue with a renewed sense of clarity and purpose about what you love, what you value, your intimate connections, and who you are as a creative being. This retrograde is occurring in fiery Leo, so we are being tasked with retrieving submerged facets of our self-confidence, our creativity, and our self-expression. And this is the takeaway she puts at the very end of the, of the article. When Venus bathes in the sun's rays, it creates a golden day in the planet of pleasure and beauty's retrograde journey. Today is that golden day. The Kazemi brings a glimmer of clarity to whatever you've been reviewing or reclaiming in your relationship to intimacy, creativity, and desire. Cast your love spells. Today is the day to cast a good love spell. So at the end of this article, Chani gives a list of things to do in alignment with this astrological event. You know, the best ways to use it beyond just our reflection on beauty and desire and value. And all of them are lovely, of course, about adornment and sprucing up your altar or your home and complimenting a stranger, allowing ourselves a deeper, more intimate connection with the world. But my favorite one was this. She said, make the first move. This Kazemi will bless all attempts to find connection. So reach out to someone you've been wanting to spend more time with. Make the first move. Let's be the catalysts of all of this. So there you have it. There's your dessert, my friends. And as the ripening season of autumn brings the bounty of the earth, may the sacrifices you make support that harvest. May the harvest we have be one of health and healing in the world more deeply connected to love. May your soul hold a cornucopia of gratitude and your heart be filled with bountiful blessings to share. Blessed be. So this is where we open up the floor for our community prayers. If you have a prayer that you would like to offer, feel free to just speak right out and say it. When you're finished, say blessed be so we know you're finished and the next person will continue. And I'd like to begin today uh, by offering up a prayer 